Welcome to the second season of A New Voice of Freedom. We are launching a new format. These podcasts, taken from the four volumes In Defense of Christianity, written by Ronald Keith Messer, will now be broadcast daily using a shorter format. Podcast 3 of Season 2 is entitled The Mark of the Beast. The second commandment states, Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image, or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the waters beneath the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself unto them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Israel introduced monotheism. The God of Israel was an invisible God and required exclusive devotion. Destruction of idol worship was necessary to free the Israelites from Egyptian bondage. Instead of being able to touch and see their idol God, the abstraction and uncertainty of an invisible God remained in their imagination. With monotheism, a new concept was introduced to religion, faith. Religion was turned from fear to faith. In addition, one's attention was turned from man's creations to God's attributes from the vices of Egypt to the virtues of Christ. It would do no good to condemn the gods of Egypt without condemning the idols of Egypt, because it was the idols of Egypt that the Israelites had the hardest time leaving. Even while Moses was on the mount receiving the first edition of the Ten Commandments, the children of Israel, under the direction of Aaron, were creating a golden calf. The idea of an invisible god was ingenious because it required more from the people than an idol did. Not only did the first commandment reduce the number of gods to one, the second commandment gave that one god all the divine attributes. Those attributes were not distributed among idols which would attenuate God's power. Only the power of faith in a single invisible god could conquer the fear of the Egyptian idols, thus delivering the people from the bondage of fear. By having faith in a perfect being with omnipotent power and omniscient intellect, all the idols were destroyed in one stroke. Fear cannot endure the effrontery of faith, and fear is the greatest enemy to freedom. As John said, perfect love casteth out fear. I merely want to point out how ingenious the second commandment was in freeing the Israelites from bondage. My first encounter with idol worship occurred when Linda and I served in India as missionaries. I remember being astonished when I saw men worshiping a stone bull. Before traveling to India, idol worship to me was an abstraction described in the Old Testament. The image of the bull is common in India and goes back thousands of years. In the ancient city of Hampi, the 500-year-old stone bull carved from a volcanic rock is an exquisite work of art. In KGF, in a large field boasting of 850,000 idols, the image of the bull stands three stories high. In recent years, another Indian god, Ganesh, also of ancient date, has become increasingly important. In fact, though once a minor god, Ganesh appeared to be number one in popularity. It seems to coincide with the rise of the middle class in India. Ganesh represents wealth and prosperity. 
When I purchased a bronze statuette of Ganesh in a shop on Commercial Street in Bangalore, the sly Indian merchant said, You can't have too many gods. Buying and selling idols is very big business even today. But there is another idol in India familiar to all Americans, for it is patterned after America's number one idol, the charging bull found on Wall Street. The charging bull can also be found, not only in America and India, but also in China, Shanghai and Hong Kong in their financial districts. The charging bull, originally intended to represent courage in adversity, has become the accepted image of the stock market. The charging bull has become a universal symbol of financial success. It is a short trip from image to idol. The Israelites were subtly lured by Satan to worship idols that began as sacred symbols. The story of the brass serpent illustrates the point. In Numbers 21 we read, And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and much people of Israel died. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against thee. Pray unto the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent, and set it upon a pole. And it shall come to pass that everyone that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, shall live. The brass serpent was originally intended to represent Christ being lifted up on the cross. John records, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. John 3.14-15 However, over time the Israelites forgot Jehovah and began to worship the brass serpent, thus making it an idol. For that reason, it had to be destroyed. The scriptures record that King Hezekiah removed the high places and break the images and cut down the groves and break in pieces the brazen serpent that Moses had made. For unto those days the children of Israel did burn incense to it, and he called it Nehushtan, 2 Kings 18, 1-6. On the world stage, including America, the charging bull has become like the brass serpent. The idol is symbolized in Revelation 13 as the second beast. And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon, and deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast which had the wound by a sword and did live. And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. And he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, and that no man might buy or sell save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is six hundred, threescore, and six. Many see 666 as the mark of Satan, but very likely it refers to a form of a one-world government or a one-world power where money represents power. It appears, according to the book of Revelation, 
that the world economy will be in the hands of a few, and only those who have the mark of the beast can buy or sell. We find a second reference to the beast in Revelation 17 and 18. In 17 we read, I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast, full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color, and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. And upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots, and abominations of the earth. John adds, And the woman which thou sawest is that great city which reigneth over the kings of the earth. In Revelation 18, John describes the collapse of the world economy, called Babylon. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins, and that ye receive not of her plagues. For her sins have reached unto heaven, and God hath remembered her iniquities. Therefore shall her plagues come in one day, death and mourning and famine, and she shall be utterly burned with fire. For strong is the Lord God who judgeth her. We think of idol worship as something done in ancient times and has nothing to do with our modern economy. Idol worship has always been with us, and like the ancient Israelites, we too take that which was once holy and turn it to an idol. We worship the creation rather than the Creator. We worship the law rather than the lawgiver. John predicts the downfall of the world economy. And the merchants of the earth shall weep and mourn over her, for no man buyeth their merchandise any more, the merchandise of gold and silver and precious stones and of pearls and fine linen and purple and silk and scarlet and all tinewood and all manner vessels of ivory and all manner vessels of most precious wood and of brass and iron and marble and cinnamon, and odors, and ointments, and frankincense, and wine, and oil, and fine flour, and wheat, and beasts, and sheep, and horses, and chariots, and slaves, and souls of men. Gold and silver do not have to be beaten into animal images to become idols. They can take the form of cars, mansions, and other material things. Satan cares nothing about money. He is after the souls of men. Thank you for listening. Watch for our next podcast. In Defense of Christianity is available at RonaldMesser.com.